You're listening, listening to, to Bible, Bible Plus. Bible Plus from Seesaw. Bible Plus is a podcast featuring short, daily discussions of every chapter in the New Testament. Bible Plus is designed to increase Bible reading, understanding, and enjoyment. Get more out of the Bible. Hey guys, what's up? We come to John chapter 20, the penultimate chapter of this awesome, lovely, life-giving gospel. Hope you've been enjoying the journey and your eyes have been open to see Christ as life, Christ as the Son of God, God in the flesh, and all of those uh, saving benefits that that revelation and experience bring to us. Uh, We saw last chapter Jesus' death on the cross, um, and in chapter 20, we come to his resurrection. Um, and, and in a real sense, chapter 20 um, concludes, in a sense, what we think of as the gospel story, uh, ends with Jesus' resurrection and ascension. Uh, but then we'll have one more chapter tomorrow, John 21, where we see uh, Jesus' commission to his disciples in his resurrection. So John 21 can be considered an appendix, but a necessary one, that really concludes uh, this 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 gospel. So we're in John chapter 20, guys. It is such an awesome, awesome chapter. Read it, pray it, uh, and live from it, you know. But I want to look at three points today um, to kind of unpack this chapter. And those three points are, number one, uh, really interestingly, um, at the end of this chapter, John tells us how and why he wrote his gospel. So that's going to be point number one. We're going to look at how and why John wrote this gospel. Number two, uh, we're going to look at uh, the difference between just knowing the facts of resurrection versus experiencing the person of resurrection. So that's going to be fact versus experience. What kind of Christian life do we have? One just that stops with facts, that goes beyond facts to experience and experiencing Christ himself. Point number two. Point number three will be the result of resurrection with a really loaded, dense couple of verses. So our three points today is how and why John wrote his gospel, uh, being a Christian focused on fact or experience, and number three, the result of resurrection. Okay, so let's look at these real quick. We're going to start at the end of the chapter in verse 30 and 31. These are really, really um, enlightening verses because John, in a sense, reveals his motive and his method in writing this gospel. So it says, Many other signs Jesus did before his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these have been written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Okay, so did you catch the, the motive and the method? Okay, the method how John wrote his Gospels by signs. So John's Gospel is radically different from the synoptics, that is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, And John selects very particular stories that often don't uh, occur in the other Gospels. And those stories are built around signs. Often the stories themselves are signs. They are true historical events and persons and things that point beyond themselves to spiritual realities and spiritual experiences centered on Christ. So a famous one is John chapter 6, right? The feeding of the multitudes, the 5,000. All four Gospels include the story, 
but John's is radically expanded in length and radically uh, deepened in meaning. So John goes to town to say that Jesus is the bread of life. He is the one who came down out of heaven to give life to the world. He is the reality of the manna that Moses gave the children of Israel in the Old Testament. So John is using the story as a sign, not just to say that Jesus can do miracles, but to point beyond itself and say Jesus is the bread of life that we can eat and live by. Okay, so that is John's uh, method, how he wrote it. And why did he write the gospel? Verse 31 tells us that we may believe something about Jesus' identity. And based on that faith, we may have something, which is divine life. So why John wrote the gospel is that we would believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And in that faith, we would have something. We wouldn't just have faith and be saved from our sins, but we would have divine, eternal life in his name. We would have zoe in his name. That is the Greek word for divine life. So John's gospel is focused on reception of life, not just forgiveness of sins, but reception of life. Jesus is the life that manifests, that right, that embodies God and manifests God among men. And when we believe that Jesus is that, the Son of God, the embodiment and expression of, of God's life, then we too have that life and are embodiments and expressions of God. And that's why John wrote this gospel. All right, let's go back to the beginning of this chapter now and look at our point two, which is fact versus experience. Now, this gets us into the story of this chapter, which is the discovery of Jesus's resurrection. And this is in verses six uh, through 16, really one through 16, but six is when Peter and John, they run to the tomb first um, after Mary says the tomb's empty. Peter and John run to the tomb and they, like good detectives, make a, uh, you know, make a conclusion based on the facts. So they see the tomb's empty, the linen cloths are folded up in two different places, uh, and they believe, um, based on these facts, based on this evidence, that Jesus certainly must be resurrected. They don't see Jesus. They don't hear us speaking. They, they deduce a conclusion based on the facts. Um, and that's great. We need to do that, right? Christianity is built on historical doctrinal facts. We need to use our minds. We need to reason. We need to come to conclusions based on, you know, like Martin Luther said, uh, based on, you know, scripture and, and, and plain reason. So we need to reason ourselves in a sense, uh, you know, into a, a stronger faith. But the interesting thing that the story brings out is they make this deduction and conclusion. Yes, indeed, Jesus must be raised. He's not here. The clothes are folded. There clearly wasn't a struggle. It doesn't look like he was ripped out of the tomb and stolen. Uh, so he must be, he must be raised. He must be alive. And then they leave. And the story centers then on Mary, who in verse 11 stays there wailing, weeping, crying, searching, seeking, not for the fact of resurrection, but for the person of resurrection, Mr. Resurrection himself. And she is rewarded not just with, um, you know, points of information that are true, but Jesus's you know, presence. She's the first to see and hear and almost touch Jesus in resurrection. And so the question this little story should um, 
you know, prompt us with is, am I satisfied with just the facts of Christianity or have I secured uh, the, the personal experience of Christ and resurrection? So we shouldn't be satisfied with just having a Christianity built on facts. Christianity is built on historical doctrinal facts, but it's built for experience of resurrection life. So we need faith in the facts, but we need joy in his presence. And Mary is our exemplar in this, a loving seeker, not satisfied with just the facts of resurrection, but pressing beyond that, uh, based on that, to enjoy the Lord's resurrection presence itself. So she got something more, and what she got was the resurrection, the resurrected Christ himself. So we want that. We want to be a people who are experiencing Christ himself in his resurrection, securing his divine presence with joy based on our loving seeking of him. Okay, let's look at our third point here is the result of resurrection. And this is um, starting in verse 17, kind of the tail end of Mary's story, uh, what Jesus says to her, and then going uh, further that night, uh, same, same day, the night of resurrection with the Lord speaking to his disciples in the room. So verse 17 is an, is an astounding verse. Jesus says, don't touch me for I have not yet ascended to the father. Now here it comes. Go to my brothers, my brothers and say to them, I send to my father and your father, my God and your God. So the first result of resurrection is that Jesus's disciples, Jesus's friends have become his brothers a, a, a verse a lot of people like back in 15 is when Jesus says, no longer do I call you servants or slaves, but I call you friends, right? A lot of people like that verse back in chapter 15. Um, 15, 15, no longer do I call you servants, slaves, but I call you friends. But we are more than friends, and we are, fr- and we are Jesus' brother, brothers sharing his very life and sharing his father as our father based on the result of resurrection, and that is Jesus's resurrection is not merely about him coming back to life, not just about the extension of his physical existence or even, you know, a new kind of spiritual existence. Jesus's resurrection is life imparting to his believers. So we are regenerated, as Peter will say in, in his first epistle, we're regenerated through Jesus's resurrection. And what that means is when Jesus was raised from the dead, his divine life was imparted to all of his future believers, making them one with him in life and nature, sharing the same father, and therefore brothers. We are brothers of the resurrected Christ. And I had a friend uh, back in high school, his older brother had a bumper sticker that I always remember. It said, my brother is the pneumatic Christ. I love that. Our brother is the pneumatic, the resurrected pneumatized spirit Christ. I love that. That's John 20, 17, my, my brother. So the result of resurrection is an impartation of divine life that makes us brothers of the son of God. It's awesome. Um, verse 22, Jesus appears in the upper room later that night. And it says, he breathed into the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So the result of resurrection is we receive the Holy Spirit as the divine breath. And that's, again, that reception of life that makes us his brothers. 
So again, this is the result of resurrection. We've received the spirit. Okay, we've received the spirit. The spirit is in us. And this is the fulfillment of all of what Jesus was talking about back in chapter 14 through uh, 16. He talked a lot about the spirit. And now this gospel ends with reception of the spirit. And then verse 28 one of the strongest verses in the Bible that shows that Jesus is capital G God, you know, the very God himself. Thomas, who wasn't there the first uh, night of resurrection, is there a week later. Jesus appears to him. He puts his hand in his side and touches the marks of the nails in his hands. And Thomas exclaims in verse 28, my Lord and my God. And so this verse shows us that Jesus is God, God himself, God in the flesh. The second of the divine trinity is is God, God himself. So this chapter gives us a a Trinitarian revelation. Listen to this. Jesus ascends to God, his father. Jesus in verse 28 is God. Jesus in verse 22 breathes into us the spirit. So we've got the father, the son, and the Spirit, all God, one God, but revealed here for our experience. Jesus is God and Father, has become our Father. <clears throat> we have received the Holy Spirit. He now indwells us. We confess Jesus as God, and we realize that now we are brothers of the Son of God and sons of God, sharing one Father with Jesus. And that's, isn't that awesome? That is the result of resurrection. This, this realization of the triune God for our experience and enjoyment and for our sending. Verse 21, right in the middle of all of this, Jesus says, peace be to you as the father has sent me. I also send you. So the gospels all end with the sending of the disciples. None of them just end with Jesus' resurrection and the disciples' faith in that resurrection, they all go on to a commission, a sending, a, a, a going forth. And so we need to realize this as we end this life-giving gospel of John that, yes, John wrote it that we would believe that Jesus is the Son of God and have life in his name, become brothers of the Son of God, sons of the Father, receivers of the Spirit, filled with the divine breath, enjoying more than the fact of resurrection, but the experience of the resurrected Christ in our midst, living and moving with us today. But based on all of that, we need to realize we have been commissioned by the resurrected Christ to go forth, to be sent out into the world. And the next chapter will put some teeth into what that sending entails, but it obviously includes sent forth, being sent forth with the gospel, being commissioned to shepherd, being sent and set to bear fruit. And even in this chapter, verse 23, to be authorized to act with Jesus's authority related to the forgiveness of sins. Um, so this chapter ends with sending. And as we end this book, this gospel, may we be freshly reminded that we are joined to Christ in resurrection. He's in us as the Spirit we have been commissioned to go out and bear fruit, preach the gospel, and to shepherd his people. Uh, and that all, all of that is done with him, in union with him, and filled with the Holy Spirit 
as our breath, our life, and our everything. So I hope you guys enjoyed John chapter 21 and this fresh reminder of the resurrected Christ who is with us, in us, and who is sending us out to express and represent him. Amen.